0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. Released from jail, two people who accused an election company of a security breach. Meanwhile, the CEO of the company still in custody for alleged ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Reports that National Guard cybersecurity units may be activated to help ensure election security. What a former DOD cybersecurity director says about the reports. Trump and DeSantis, the two seem to be on good terms, but could face off in Republican primaries if they both run for the presidency. How that might look. Midterm candidates making their final campaign stops on the home stretch. President Biden was in New York trying to drum up support for Governor Kathy Hochul. And we'll eventually get those election results, but you might be wondering how soon. What to expect on election night and a state that could keep us in suspense for days. Two leaders of a group that investigates election fraud were released from jail today. An appeals court ordered their release late last night. NTD's Arlene Richards reports.
1: A court of appeals ordered the release of True the Vote founder Katherine Engelbrecht and election intelligence expert Greg Phillips on Monday. A U.S. district judge had ordered jail time after the two refused to reveal what they called confidential sources. The sources gave them information from the computers of election software company Connick. In a statement on Truth Social, Engelbrecht said the right to free and fair elections without interference is more important than our own discomforts and even this detention, now reversed by a higher court. Engelbrecht and Phillips publicly claimed the CEO at Connick gave the Chinese Communist Party access to personal data of about two million poll workers. Conic filed a defamation suit against them in September. The lawsuit alleged the two hacked Connick's servers to steal private information and also denied the CEO, Eugene Yu, was involved with the CCP. It sought and was granted a temporary restraining order to stop the two from exposing the data they obtained. Shortly after the lawsuit was filed, Yu was arrested in Michigan. He was held on suspicion of stealing the personal information of L.A. County poll workers and storing it on servers in China. Engelbrecht's spokesperson told NTD in an email, the American people need to know how important it is that they get out and vote. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. And
0: cybersecurity units from the National Guard will reportedly be activated in 14 U.S. states to help counter any threats to election officials' networks ahead of, during, and following tomorrow's elections. Politico says the 14 include three battleground states, Arizona, Iowa, Pennsylvania. Earlier today, I spoke with John Mills, a retired U.S. Army Colonel and former Director of Cybersecurity with the Department of Defense, for his perspective. John Mills, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, Always an honor to be on your show.
0: Now, there are reports that National Guard cybersecurity units will be activated in 14 states to ensure the midterm elections are secure. You helped create the National Cyber Guard cybersecurity team concept over a decade ago. What's your take on this plan?
2: Well, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. Uh, As it's evolved, I'm not so sure. There's several points of order that I think are important. Uh, One of them, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine uh, Engelbrecht who identified Koenig and the traffic of the Koenig Pole Chief software overseas to China. If the American national security uh, apparatus, including the National Guard cyber teams is doing so well, why didn't they pick up that network traffic? That's a pretty basic question. I think we need to have answered. Now, one of the things is, uh, is this being done as an intelligence operation? Uh, and remember, intelligence is, is, is awarded for collecting and reporting, not action. So it's curious. Did they know about this and not and not and nothing happened?
0: And now, looking at these teams, who makes up the cybersecurity units?
2: Well, they're National Guard units, uh, and and the goodness, uh, one of the one of the positive features of using National Guard, uh, I, I don't mean to get policy wonkish here, but they can operate under Title Thirty Two. Uh, which they can operate certain law enforcement authorities, which uh, Title 10 Department of Defense, that would be a violation of posse comitatus and other federal laws. Uh, DoD is prohibited from acting domestically in a law enforcement role. But here, the, the National Guard can play that somewhat. Now, there's also the workforce. Who makes up these cyber teams? Uh, at the time, one of the big promotion points on the creation of these Tiber teams was that, uh, oh, they could, uh, we could re- rely upon people who, uh, for the California National Guard, well, everybody you know a, a number of people would work in Silicon Valley at Big Tech. Uh, same with Washington National Guard, same with maybe NASA, Massachusetts National Guard. You know, uh, back then, that was a good thing. Today, I think we all agree, that's not necessarily a good thing to have big tech employees putting on their uniform and then potentially monitoring American citizens.
0: And what do these units do to protect elections?
2: Well, I, I do also question their knowledge. This is one of, and I've under, under, uh, a given te- sworn testimony under oath. I have questioned whether they even know what to look for. Again. The Koenig situation, did they not know what to look for? Which I, I, I'm sorry, i sorry, I know a lot of the current people who are in law enforcement and intelligence, uh, they don't understand how an election is structured, they don't understand the information technology, they don't understand the networks. We are taking, the uh, companies like Koenig, we are taking their word for everything. So I question whether these, these National Guard units are really trained, and if they are trained, Uh, Why didn't they collect on this? And and was there not, why was there not action? And if they did collect on it, why was it sat upon? So uh, there is just a number of questions that arise on this topic that back in 2009, 2010, it sounded like a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea in today's environment.
0: The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, director recently said she's not expecting any major disruptions to the midterms could the guards activation indicate that these states do believe there could be major disruptions
2: Uh, okay so jen easterly and i did have some intersections back about that time actually before that time period during uh when we were doing some of the first internet-based activities uh uh during the war on terror um I, I tell you what, I just have lost, uh, in the military, it's a very important term. I have lost uh, faith and confidence in, in CISA and law enforcement and intelligence community to be to be able to do their job and do their job properly in accordance with the law be, without becoming weaponized and partisan. So i apologize and I, and I don't mean this bombastically or accusatorily I, again in january i think there has to be full and open investigations into who knew what when and i, I think there are serious questions about CISA uh, under Jenny easterly and i think she needs to be held to account on and and give testimony on this
0: okay and there's some concern among voters about election integrity many other developed nations still primarily use paper ballots and voting in person what do you think should be done, if anything, to ensure people's confidence in U.S. elections?
2: I, I think making it, going back and going paper only, it looks like in Arizona, Cochise County uh, is going to go paper only, uh, w- which uh, is going to be huge. Uh, the, the, the recorder there, as they call them, uh, in Virginia, we call them registrars, has, has taken a personal initiative and is supported by the sheriff and the county council in Cochise County, south of uh, south of tucson um i think we need to go paper only i think we need to get rid of the machines and i don't mean this glibly or wildly but we have made this way too complicated way too complicated and there are other advanced civilized nations that guess what do essentially paper only we have the 2002 helping americans vote act uh uh, never trust nice sounding piece of legislation and this is my basic thesis this was my bread and butter Everything else has been broken into and hacked, except for election machines and the election machine infrastructure. But everything else in the US government has been broken into, except for election machines. Well, if that's the case, we need to know what is the secret sauce that makes these election machines invulnerable, Well, everything else, extremely sensitive systems, have been broken into by China, by Russia, by hackers. So, I'm sorry, this on its face does not make any sense, and it flies in the face of the reality of every single breach out there. Everything else has been broken into, yet we're supposed to take the word of the election machine companies that they're secure. So, the answer is very simple. Paper only, get rid of the machines.
0: All right, fascinating discussion. Thank you so much, John Mills, a retired U.S. Army colonel and former director of cybersecurity with the Department of Defense. Appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, Stephanie, an honor to be on your show.
0: And the Department of Justice said today that its workers will be monitoring voting tomorrow in 24 states, including Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Florida, and Nevada, to ensure compliance with federal laws. At least one county has rejected the efforts, calling it overreach a lot of speculation is brewing over a potential Trump versus DeSantis 2024 primary. Despite some name-calling highlighted by the press, it seems the Florida governor still has Trump's support. The former president endorsed him during a rally in Miami over the weekend.
3: Former President Trump joined Marco Rubio and others on Sunday at a rally in Florida where Trump endorsed Governor Ron DeSantis for re-election. Just two days
4: from now... The people of Florida are going to re-elect the wonderful, the great friend of mine, Marco Rubio, to the United States Senate. And you're going to re-elect Ron DeSantis as your governor of your state.
3: A day earlier, at a rally in Pennsylvania, Trump used a pejorative nickname for DeSantis, calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. It's not clear whether DeSantis will run for president in 2024, but Trump has said he's very likely to run again.
5: I think most Republicans still remain very much committed to the former president.
3: Charles Bullock is a professor of political science at the University of Georgia. He tells NTD that he doesn't think DeSantis could beat Trump if he ran. And what's more, running against Trump could even hurt DeSantis' political career.
5: If Governor DeSantis were to run against Trump and then were to lose, uh, yeah. Then he's got that 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 odor, that stench of of loser around him. So that's why I think he would would not want to make take that kind of risk.
3: Bullock says he thinks potential Republican candidates will wait for Trump to officially announce that he's running, at which point Bullock says most Republicans would probably back away.
5: Uh, other possible candidates would sit back and wait and see. I mean, if something were to happen to Trump, you know, he's a Older gentleman, if he were to have some health care problems, then they would be ready to jump into it. But I wouldn't think there'd be any serious Republican who would take on Donald Trump with the thought that they could beat him.
3: He added that it would make more sense for DeSantis to run in 2028. By that time, Trump or Biden would have to step aside after serving two terms, and the seat would again be open. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: Elon Musk is endorsing the Republican Party ahead of the midterms. This morning, he urged Americans to vote Republican, so power is shared in Washington. He tweeted, To independent-minded voters, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given that the presidency is Democratic. In May, Musk said he used to vote Democrat, but he blamed the party for sowing division and said he'd vote Republican. Musk describes himself as a political moderate. He rarely endorses candidates, but he has donated to members of both parties. President Biden is making his final campaign visits before the midterm elections tomorrow. He was in New York State over the weekend rallying for the Democratic governor there.
6: President Biden campaigned for New York Governor Kathy Hochul at Sarah Lawrence College in New York on Sunday. Hochul is in an unexpectedly tight race with her Republican challenger, Congressman Lee Zeldin.
0: Governor Hochul is the first woman to serve as governor of New York. And on Tuesday night, with your help, she'll be the first woman elected governor of New York.
6: During the speech, Biden appeared to have tripped over some wires and was close to falling on stage. He also made an unexpected comment on offshore drilling. In reply to a protester, he said, quote, there is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new drilling. The president also said that this election is a choice between two fundamentally different visions of America.
0: If you all show up and vote, democracy sustained. Not a joke. This is not hyperbole for the second time. Not a joke. It matters. It's in your hands. And look, you're one of the reasons why, as I said, I've never been more optimistic about the future of this country.
6: Hochul's lead in the polls has dwindled in recent weeks. During the rally on Sunday, she asked for New York to vote, saying that she would win when Democrats turn out to vote. And Hochul also pushed back against MAGA Republicans. They think that if they can be successful on Tuesday, that there's no stopping them across the nation. And that is why this election is important beyond our boundaries, my friends. This is about whether or not we're going to stand up and defend everything we have fought for for generations, why New York is New York, all the progressive values that we supported. Hokel's rival, Zeldin, held his latest campaign rally in Orange County, New York, on Saturday. Joining the rally was former Democratic Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. President Biden is scheduled to travel to Maryland Monday night to rally for Democratic candidates, which includes a gubernatorial candidate. Biden plans to stay in the White House on Election Day to deliver an address on the midterm results on Wednesday. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: And a total lunar eclipse is predicted early tomorrow morning. It's known as a blood moon for its reddish hue. This will be the first total lunar eclipse on Election Day in U.S. history. The blood moon will be visible around the world. According to NASA, in the U.S., the eclipse will start Tuesday around 3 a.m. Eastern Time. That's midnight Pacific Time. About two hours later, the moon will be totally covered. After tomorrow's show, the next total lunar eclipse won't occur again for another three years until March 2025. And remember, if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, how soon will Americans know the winners of this upcoming election? We take a look at what it could hinge on. And in baseball, several more big names have opted out of their contracts and are set to be free agents when baseball's offseason begins Thursday. NTD's Dave Martin has the story. That and more coming up. Crucial midterm elections tomorrow will decide control of the U.S. Congress, but determining a final winner could take hours after polls close,
7: or perhaps even days. The key factor will be how, and how quickly, different states count what will likely be a mountain of mail-in ballots. The Washington Post on Sunday reported that the number of early votes so far cast exceeds the 2018 midterms, more than 39 million ballots. Some states, such as Florida, open mail-in ballots and load them into the tabulators ahead of election day to speed up the count. But others, such as Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, cannot open mailed-in ballot envelopes until election day. Because Democrats vote by mail more often than Republicans, states that get an early jump in counting mail ballots could show large Democratic leads, a so-called blue mirage, which then evaporate as vote counters tally Republican ballots cast on election day. States that are slower to count mail-in ballots could similarly show a red mirage, as heavily Republican Election Day ballots are cast first before the mail-in votes are tabulated. All 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives are on the ballot, as well as 35 U.S. Senate seats and 36 governorships. The balance of power is close. Republicans need to pick up just five seats to form a majority in the House, and only one to control the Senate. An early and massive red wave could lead to a Republican victory in a matter of hours after polls close. But key states like Pennsylvania have already warned it could take days to count every ballot.
0: For California, NTD's David Lamb has a rundown of some of the key races in the Golden State.
5: California has nearly a dozen close key races for congressional seats for Tuesday's 2022 midterm election. Here's a look at the most closely contested races out of California's 52 House seats. For the House of Representatives, Democrat Kermit Jones faces off against Representative Kevin Kiley for District 3. The district has been Democrat-led since 2013. 538 reported that Kiley had about 53% support and Jones 46% in October. Another Democratic-held area is District 13 in the state's Central Valley. Democrat Adam Gray and Republican John Duarte are running a tight race, with Duarte leading by three points at the last polling. And Republican incumbent Michelle Steele, serving District 45, earned 48% support in the primary against Democrat Jay Chan's 43%. Two other key House races are District 22 and 27, both currently held by Republican congressmen. District 22 Representative David Valadeo's seat is being challenged by Democrat Rudy Salas, who had 20% support over the incumbent in the primary. And District 27's Republican incumbent Mike Garcia faces Christy Smith. The district has more registered Democratic voters. District 9's incumbent Josh Harder, a Democrat, had a 7% lead over Tom Patty in the primary. For District 40, challenger Asif Mahmood had a 6% lead over Republican incumbent Young Kim. According to CalMatters, registered voters in the 41st district are almost exactly equal, heating up Ken Calvert's Republican seat against Will Rollins. As for the U.S. Senate, Senator Alex Padilla had over a 30% lead over Republican candidate Mark Mosier. Voters favored Democratic Gavin Newsom in the gubernatorial primary by roughly 40 percent, but State Senator Brian Daly is the leading challenger. David Lamb, Entity News, California.
0: Turning our attention to the parliamentary election in Israel, President Biden has called incoming Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The White House press secretary
6: confirmed the call today. So, yes, the president did speak with him today, so confirming it that right now, uh, to congratulate him on his party's victory and commend Israel's free and fair elections. During the phone call, Biden reaffirmed
0: the strength of the bilateral partnership between the U.S. and Israel and underscored his support for Israel's security. It took Biden four days to congratulate Netanyahu. Last Thursday, Israel's election committee confirmed that Netanyahu's coalition has captured a majority in parliament. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid conceded on the same day. The White House says it will continue to closely monitor the government's formation process in Israel and said that it's willing to work with the new Israeli government. The, new, the two leaders agreed to speak again after Netanyahu forms a new government. And now over to sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
4: The Indianapolis Colts fired head coach Frank Reich today after the team's third straight loss a 26-3 defeat to New England in which the team mustered just 121 yards of offense, their lowest in 25 years. The Colts were just 3-5-1 this season, but Reich had an overall winning record after four-plus seasons on the job. His tenure, though, was marked by uncertainty at the quarterback position as the team started five different quarterbacks in each of his five seasons, beginning with pro bowler Andrew Luck, retired just before the 2019 season at the age of 29. The team has announced that former All-Pro center Jeff Saturday will be the interim head coach. And in baseball, MLB's free agency doesn't begin until Thursday, but today several more intriguing names were added to the list, as All-Stars Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, and Jacob deGrom opted out of their contracts and will be free to sign with any team. That's in addition to some other big names like Justin Verlander, Trey Turner, and of course Aaron Judge that are available as well. Now one star who won't be a free agent is Mets closer Edwin Diaz, who signed a record-breaking five-year, $102 million deal to remain with the Mets. The contract is the largest ever for a reliever. And for your sports viewing this evening, all 30 NBA teams are in action tonight, with each game staggered by 15 minutes starting at 7pm with the Hornets hosting the Wizards. This continues until 10.30 when the final game, the Cavs at the Clippers, begins. All games are free on the new NBA app. The NBA's full slate tonight is followed by no games tomorrow night in order to encourage fans to get out and vote. In the NHL meanwhile, a triple header this evening, highlighted by the Boston Bruins Rank second in the league with 20 points, taking on the Blues. And finally, for you NFL fans, the Saints host the Ravens on Monday Night Football. And that's it for sports. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And thanks to you for joining us again. This time tomorrow, we'll be covering the elections, so be sure to tune in. Until next time, I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.